0: But, of course, also something about the world that is surrounding me. So I can't, I think, I, at least I can't be creative without uh, the world that, is, uh, that I'm surrounded with. Uh, so I need uh, the influence, I need the impact, I need the, uh, you know, the world talking to me to, uh, to do some, to make something uh, that is then mine out of it.
1: That was such an exciting clip from my interview with Cornelia Volk. Cornelia is a filmmaker and a very inspiring one at that who is originally from Germany. We speak about her editing process on her recent documentary and what she's learned from a lifetime of working in the film and documentary sector in the environmental range with a real focus on animal wildlife very inspiring individual and I'm honored to have had the opportunity to speak with her here on the creative kind podcast so I hope that you really enjoyed this episode don't forget to share this with a friend someone who you think could learn from Cornelia as a just interesting individual and inspiring filmmaker thanks again for listening to me this is your host Alex Leonard on the creative kind show this is Alex Leonard, host of the Creative Kind podcast and owner of the creative company Ale Media. My business specializes in videos, mural paintings, and illustrations. From working as a radio DJ, journalist, illustrator, painter, and now video editor, I've worn many creative hats. So visit alexleonardmedia.com to work together. Cornelia, thanks so much for agreeing to come on the Creative Kind podcast. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to speak with you here. And, yeah, so I just, I wanted to uh, quickly explain a bit about how I know you for my listeners, because I think that's quite cool. Uh, both you and I were uh, featured filmmakers at the Colorado Environmental Film Festival uh, this year, in well, for 2020. Oh, no, no, it was 2021. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, so that's, that's super cool, and... The film, I now I appreciate that you had reached out to me and had shared your film with me, and we'll, we'll dive into that shortly. And yeah, we kind of had a little bit of exchange uh, via email communication, and so I thought, amazing, uh, you know, I need to bring you on to the podcast. And then we were in a Q&A together, and, you know, uh, the, the host for that Q&A talked about you and a lot of the films that you had uh, you've made in the environmental film. Uh, sector and uh, that that kind of genre and so yeah that would that was super interesting it sounds like you were a well-known name there for at least the host Um, and so I'd love to learn a bit more about uh, your own uh, background and maybe let's talk let's start by talking about this latest film so do you want to give yourself an introduction and to uh, to tell the audience, about the film that you just had that was featured in the film festival, uh, Nature Without Borders, correct?
0: Yeah, it it was called Animals Without Borders, actually, but, uh, yeah. um, No, Animals at the Borders, not to be really uh, 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 correct. Um, Yeah, it was a film that I made uh, two years ago, when um, fortunately, filmmaking (laughs) all around the world was still possible, which would be a bit different uh, right now I think um, we I have I have been making quite a lot of films about um, nature protection in border zones that had been closed for many 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 years uh, due to you know the uh, east west conflict I'm coming from Germany so I mean we were very close but we started to make films about so-called transboundary boundary um, conservation areas, mostly in, in southern Africa, where when the borders, when the walls fell, people started to create huge conservation areas to have the animals roam in areas where they once roamed, like elephants. I mean, we are talking about elephants probably a bit more uh, in the course of this uh, conversation. Um, but um, so we made a lot of films about the potential of bringing also people together that had been shooting at each other for quite a while, for many years in Southern Africa, for example.
1: So let me interject here for a second. This is from the apartheid in South Africa. And you know, I knew that there was the whole, like there was this um, segregation, but there were also walls in South Africa, essentially dividing the... Now,
0: well. There were not really walls within South Africa, but there were, you know, there were a lot of conflicts, for example, between South Africa and Mozambique, mm. where the Kruger Park is, uh, you know, the Kruger National Park, one of the big uh, national parks in South Africa, has been uh, at the border to Mozambique, where mm. it was, Mozambique was, uh, you know, kind of um, a part of the other side of the, of the wall, no, of the... Uh, Russian uh, Soviet t- territory, let's say. And so um, they, they, they built up a wall because they didn't want to have refugees come um, from Mozambique because there it was, you know, it was really war, people were shooting at each other and, uh, uh, and there was no, no way of living. So people came towards South Africa, but so they don't, South Africa didn't want to have these people coming to South Africa. So they built a big fence. Which uh, had as a consequence uh, um, the effect that elephants that were normally roaming, for example, big elephant herds that were roaming to the water resources uh, between the countries, they couldn't do that anymore. So the Kruger National Park, in a moment, had too much elephants. They were eating up all the all the areas. Um, mm. You know. All the all their natural resources because they were restricted to a certain area, no? to a national park. So it created problems. And so when when the Cold War that's I was over, and the fences were torn down, people wanted to open also the you know uh, these old patterns, these old paths for animals again. So this is my somehow a bit my background from 20 years of filmmaking. Now we see in Europe um, that uh, the walls that have been torn down uh, in uh, 1989 or 1990, that they are reconstructed because we don't want to have the refugees coming from Syria, from Northern Africa, from uh, Central Africa to come to us. So we build up walls and fences again. And we wanted to ask that, what does it you know, do to animals that need to roam, like really also small populations of um, mammals, uh, of carnivores, uh, especially, um, what does it make to them? I mean, how can they survive in an area where they can't roam, where they can't find partners anymore? It is, I think we uh, have to see that Europe is a very small and also fragmented uh, uh, uh area where you know we have only small little forests, um, natural areas again. and if you cut you know small populations that can survive in these kind of small areas, we will lose them. So it's a bit different than in the United States or in, in, in America Americas, now, well, where you know there's it's a just larger
1: populations of wildlife and yeah
0: and the populations are larger and maybe also the um uh, the possibilities to roam freely are also bigger let's say here it's not so this is this was the the question that we went out uh with our film where we met uh, animals at the borders to follow the first investigations because it's quite a new thing you know it's from nine, 2015 they started to build the walls and so not immediately people started to investigate what does it mean to vulnerable popula- populations of some animals so now people start to do that and uh, we just mm. wanted to have a first look at that uh, in three different areas which two were in Europe and one was uh, actually then in uh, at the border between Mexico and and the United States where the problem is the same i mean it was um maybe it might get a bit better now but uh it's not so sure no it's not so sure that you know the walls that are constructed now will be torn down um in the next uh, uh few weeks let's say mm. and uh so um it's a it's a worldwide problem i mean it you could you could do the film you could do many stories also about uh, fences that are not, uh, you know, uh, uh, linked to refugee movements, but also to to um, uh, uh, animal diseases. No? You have it uh, also in southern Africa, uh, where, you know, uh, in Botswana or wherever, where they, there are a lot of fences built to protect the cattle, to protect the um, the uh, economic resources of um, meat, <laughs> meat production, from wildlife diseases, um, uh, mm-hmm. and yeah. to uh, which is also kind of uh, kind of um, def- defragment or fragmenting uh, uh, every um, area for wildlife robbing. You know, I mean for uh, good development of wildlife and.
1: Yeah. Oh, no, totally. And you talked about it in the Q and A, and I thought that that was interesting. Um, when you're working on a project that is in between, you know, that's cross continental, where you you are moving like in this, in, the, in this most recent film, uh, Animals at the Border, right? The two European countries plus coming down to the Mexico U S border. And so what you had mentioned is when you were at the U S. US-Mexico border. You were there on a quite a, a short period of time but that's when you happen to see the the researchers and the whole PR stunt with them in the Jaguar um, costume, right? And so the question I have for you is when you are managing your time under such a t- tight timeline traveling between countries like what is your project management strategy to ensure that you get the content you need? Because you know, you can't just, oh, we'll let's just take another trip to Mexico, right? I'm sure maybe you're on, you know, certain sponsors' budgets or you're on, say, a, a grant budget. So how do you most effectively use your time in such situations like this?
0: I think this is a really very also difficult question, but of course also a central question. Um, uh, if you're making films with a limited budget, um, but of course in nature where you never know what really happens so if if you are doing a film in nature
1: yeah totally right
0: then you can either have a lot of time so a lot of budget then you can wait until you have you, you get the things that you have scripted or you just mm, you have a, a story in mind mm and a project in mind and things that you want to tell and you trust somehow in in the situation that there will be
1: the stars will align yeah
0: happen that will enable you to tell these stories maybe not as you invented them or imagined them when you got, went there. I mean, we went to Mexico and I have never been in this area and I've never met these people. So it is like, a, you immediately have to kind of get a contact to the people. You, ha- uh, you have to find out what they are interested about. You have to find out their passion, what they are wanting to tell you. And then you somehow have to, you know, take this on on the silver tablet and and uh, make something out of it. That is kind of corresponding to what you have in mind uh, for the story. But normally it's some sometimes it's if you if you can't script anything no? uh, uh, because you don't have the time. So mm, so you have to be really very alert. What you get on the first day, then you have to say okay on the first day I got this so. Now I should follow this track. I, I should follow this story to make it a round story or you know to, um, to get the substance out of it. And then you the next day you follow that story, but it depends on the first day and then it depends on the second day, and then it depends on the third day where you take decisions of how you continue the story. So it's uh, it's very stressful, I have to admit, no, because you're continuously... Uh, you continuously have to think. Okay, what can I ask from the people? What can I ask from how? How? What can I also ask from my team? No. Do I ha- do I really want to ask them to get up at four o'clock um, <laughs> again mm. to uh, to see a beaver or whatever or uh, the the fish otter in, in Bulgaria? How, how how long can I do that? No. How often can I do that? Then you say, you know, I mean, there are moments where you say, okay, I've spent uh, uh, 10 mornings, the only 10 mornings that I had, and I didn't see anything. It's uh, frustrating. Probably more for the ones that don't have this story in mind, Mm. but for the camera operators, the sound engineers, or whoever is involved, huh? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, because I can say okay okay yeah then I have to think about something else and we have to do it you know during the the day it's very tricky no it's very tricky if you have a few time but um, it is also yeah i have doing this all my life let's say all my documentary filmmaking life so there is a certain routine also in deciding okay this path doesn't work so I have to I have to follow another one. I have to change the uh, and maybe still I can use two, three pictures uh, from
1: some of that idea. Yeah, some it's of that idea or, or this to...
0: lost morning, no, or this lost evening. Um, this, um, uh, uh, this 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 moment where we didn't succeed to get anything, any good footage or anything. No? Then it's then, after all, the film if you're not scripting it, it uh, um, develops in the editing suite, no, in the editing room. Um, and if you have a certain freedom, let's say, if you didn't, if you, I have, I have the, um, uh, uh, the, the freedom not to write any scripts. So the people kind of trust me that I will bring back something. So, so, there's nothing written where they then say, yeah. But here you have written that, <laughs> no, and you didn't yeah. bring it. And I say, no, I don't want to write anything because it's not. I mean, we, yeah. we can't, no, we can't, we can't uh, make a scripted film, no?
1: especially if for nature find. documentaries like you talk no, about. No, it right? is really, like, yeah. It's I mean, hard, yeah.
0: I mean, there are so many different ways, and probably other people are working in the completely different way no so i mean most of the real nature documentaries are made by like uh you know people are going somewhere
1: maybe with their families
0: and and they you know they just spend weeks and they are there with their camera uh it's not rented it's their own so i mean they're just doing it because they want to do it no and they they are waiting as long as needed no yeah. I am working in a <clears throat> bit different
1: so, way. So, so an, another question I have for you then is in a similar, in a similar tract of thought, when, when you are working in an international setting, when say you're thrown into, like when you were thrown into the uh, Mexico, right, you know, I imagine you don't speak Spanish. And so, you know, you're there for a short period of time. You likely have some sort of um, translator. And, uh to to kind of connect with them even though you don't speak their language like because i thought not interesting right you were saying like the first thing you need to do is almost like build the trust of the people that that you're working with Um, uh, but also from a filmmaker's perspective there could be instances where they're saying something uh in the film and we talked about this where you have them uh, now, I believe it was um, Siberia, one of the Eastern European countries that you went to, where you have all the researchers in the car and they're singing in their local language, right? If you don't know that language, that could just go over your head. That kind of moment, you know, you can understand the serenity of everyone singing in you know harmony, but th- those are moments that you may miss, you know, dialects on set, things like this. So, so how do you? You know how do you say try and capture the essence of a, a different language when you don't necessarily speak it, and how do you build that um, that that trust with locals when you it, you know they're totally out of your your frame of reference in terms of language and culture?
0: Um, yeah, it's a very very interesting <clears throat> point. Um, of course. Um... Let's say um, I have been <clears throat> sorry. I've been working a lot with scientists from all over the world. So <clears throat> most of the projects are, you know, linked to scientific work uh, because for me this is also the point because I am kind of communicating <clears throat> what they are doing scientifically, no? and I am bringing it to a broader audience. No? so this is my <clears throat> mission, no? uh, and, uh, of course, let's say, in most parts of the world, these scientists, at least, they speak English quite well. In Mexico, it was not like that. Astonishingly enough, no? So they didn't really speak, um, it was re- really difficult to speak English with them, even if they were really at the border to the United States. So I was a bit, uh, um, uh, I was a bit astonished myself. Okay, I speak a little bit of Spanish, so I could understand what they were talking. I was talking in English, they were talking in Spanish, so we could communicate uh, more or less. But yeah, but of course, yes, in other parts, um, like uh, the part in Croatia and Slovenia, mm-hmm. um, I had the advantage in this film that I knew the, most of the guys from other films. So yeah. I have a really good relationship to them from 10, uh, 12 years. And uh, in Bulgaria, we had, a, also in Croatia, we had, a, we had translators and they, of course, they try their best. And sometimes they are, uh, the translators, um, uh, you have to have a really good um, uh, uh, communication with the translator or a good relationship to the translator because they are taking over your job in a way because you can't then, you know, all the time, you can't uh, interfere. So they need to know my spirit and my ideas and then they will transport it and sometimes I don't even have to say anything. So this is this is then my part of trust to the people who are communicating with the people. And of course, yeah, you have to be lucky and uh, you have to have good people doing that job that are also, you know, communicative people that can attach to others and also simple people I mean not not scientists but you know everyday people who have a feeling to to address them and to transport what what I want no? in this film that yeah <clears throat> uh, it's tricky but uh, yeah in any way I think it's always a bit about trust and it's always about listening to the others and then trying to feel what they want to give you and what I can ask from them and how to, how to get it.
1: Oh, yeah, that's, that's really good. I
0: think it's a very, you know, it's it's a question about sensitivity in the end, uh, Mm. towards the people and towards the animals. I mean, it's uh, kind of the same. You have to be humble enough to say I'm not here. And I'm a filmmaker. And, uh, you know, here I'm from Germany. Um, Most most of the people, and the animals, in any case, they are not interested in what I'm doing. They don't care, they even they are even rather disturbed about what I'm doing. So to to there with a certain decency and uh say it's not so important what i'm doing but in any case i would like to tell the story i think this is um this is at least my uh, my approach let's say
1: hmm. awesome yeah i think that's that's really really important and really sound uh, advice about building strong relationships right away even with the translator especially with the translator and really nurturing that relationship that you have with those people and in the fact that those researchers you know again and again you've come back to them you've built that strong working relationship you know maintaining those bridges improving those bridges right so that you can rely again when these future projects come up that's that's yeah that's really interesting and so that another question i had for you is we kind of, we kind of, you kind of mentioned it, and it's something I personally want to know about because I'm often a one man team. Uh, if I've done, you know, I've only done one. That was my debut documentary. Uh, hopefully, more to come. Um, but uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, so, talk to me a bit about um, essential people who are on your team. Like, like who would you say, kind of, as you know, if you were to have a bare bones but like a kind of higher tier production, um, what are the roles and positions that you would need on a team? And I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna add this to my story. And your answer on uh, social media.
0: Let's say I think the most important um, relationship between me and other parts of the team is, of course, that about me and the camera operator, because I'm not doing it myself. Let's say. So um, to have a have a really good relationship, a trustful relationship, and a good communication, where one doesn't always expect from the other to bring, you know, to to bring what is maybe needed from his or her job. No, so if I if I have a have an idea about an image. I would like to tell also the camera operator, and I would like the camera operator to say, yeah, but, you know, um, I think the story should go this or that path. To have this really good relationship, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, always without uh, critical remarks, but it has also been, uh, it also needs to be a relationship about trust. So where, um where we both um, appreciate what the other is doing and where we can reinforce our abilities, no? Not to, to fight uh, for position or who is, you know, who is the boss on the, on the set, no? Of course, in nature documentary filmmaking, more or less it's two, maximum three people going out. So. There, it's not so much of a question, I think. No, mostly the camera operators and sound engineers uh, they go out alone. No? So, yes. Um, but in other productions that I've been doing, it is really important that there is a certain um, that that we somehow like each other, that we know a bit uh, how the other one is uh, thinking, because then we can we can bring out the best in each other. If I'm fighting all the time, then then I can't work, no? If somebody wants to be the boss, or I, I'm maybe I'm uh, on the paper, I'm normally the boss, but I don't want to be it because I just want to be, uh, I just want to bring out the best from everybody because then in the end the product the product or the result is going to be the best, no? and I think everybody has, you know. I mean, okay, you're doing your films as a one-man show. Huh? Yeah, it's possible now. It's it's also nice, but I think you know it, there's also really good thing about dividing um, the the works, no? Because of course everybody has another view on things, and this is also the beautiful thing about filmmaking or art in general. Let's say or music. No, you can do music also on the computer all your own. But um, it's nice to have three musicians coming from different, uh, different uh, uh, instruments. No, from different angles. Uh, no? Backgrounds. so um, yeah. yeah. So I think there there is a lot of potential in 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 uh, keeping to the uh, division of departments also in filmmaking i am I'm also editing myself now but I think i'm very I'm very grateful <clears throat> to go with the material that I gathered to uh, the editing suite to editing room have an editor who is looking at the material for the first time and has his own immediately creates his own story his or her own story. So I think it's a very, mm, very useful input because sometimes I always say, okay, you know, animal filmmaking. You have, you have been sitting five days in front of a den of, I don't know, badgers, no? On the fifth day, you got, and maybe in a, in a, in an area where plenty of mosquitoes, you have been eaten up by mosquitoes. In the end, this badger comes out once, briefly out of the den, rushes in front of the camera, and gone. And I say, as a filmmaker, I was there. I said, "Wow, wow, wow! This this scene—it was so brilliant, no? I mean, we got it. We we spent five days." But the editor, who hasn't been eaten up by mosquitoes, he says, "But it's a crappy picture. No, I don't. I'm not going to use it." And you say, oh, OK, and he's right No, I mean, so it's always also about killing your darlings and uh, to say, OK, the story behind the picture is not the picture that it's not the story that the picture shall transport because nobody knows it. Yeah. So I think somehow it is really very important to have uh, some other perspectives also on, on your material. Hmm. Um, i'm now in, in conversation with a, with a, also an old friend from from north macedonia about some films and i just i just look at some things from a very different angle and i can say okay this i don't like i don't understand because i'm not i'm not from there i would know more or i, I would i would rather focus on that or you know i have other perspectives and i think this is really something very important in filmmaking so um, there are really good things about, uh, you know, the filmmaking like it is today, where you know you can do without a lot of um, equipment, without a lot of technology. Where you can do everything because then you can really also follow your passion immediately. You don't you don't have to ask too many people. You just go out and you just do the things that you want to do. Hmm. But then sometimes I think it's you know, it's also very good to have some satellites around that are um, in their own profession, um, trained in their in their profession, uh, and and have a look at that, at what you are doing in a certain moment of, of a production, no? Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Awesome. OK, so kind of coming close to wrapping things up here, I have just a few more questions for you. Um, and so one of one of my next questions is, I'm curious to know what what are you working on next? Is there any project that uh, that's ongoing? And um, yeah, so maybe just talk about what what do you see as your next project? And um, yeah, we'll start with that.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's it's a bit difficult. I mean, yeah, you have been also talking in your last in know general podcast about the year 2020 and uh, 2021, and you know some kind of restrictions no? um, that are involved. And of course, uh, I didn't have any problems in 2020 because I had a, had a project for, a, for the TV station. But you know, things change. So you know, there is a bit of insecurity in the whole business now also. And um, so one project that I wanted to do, which is about uh, or, or was asked to do also for the TV station, Um, uh, has been cancelled now, probably not really due to COVID-19, but um, for other reasons, reasons. but uh, yeah, so this was, I was working on that, uh, on that line for, you know, the first two months of the, of the year, now it's cancelled, and so fortunately there was another door opening, which has nothing to do with nature, um, but, you know, uh, also a certain mm, continuation maybe, but it's all, everything is in a project, in a paper paper stadium. So first part of research. And, uh, and uh, I have a project with uh, my, my favorite camera operator. We want to do something together, but you know, then it's also difficult because you know, everybody has to see and check uh, how, how to earn a living. So to really come together, it's a bigger thing to come together and say, okay, now we're sitting down and now we are writing you know, the papers and now we're kind of asking for money or we are producing a pilot. It's difficult also now in, in COVID times where traveling is a bit restricted and so you can't really see each other just like that. I, I don't drive through Germany, just to see some camera operator, no? Yeah. But it would it would be needed somehow, no? To sit together and, and uh do some brainstorming, and uh... so I'm a bit like, uh, yeah, there are some things in in the pipeline, but nothing is really super sure, no? So mm-hmm. um, it's just period. I mean.
1: It's a bit. Normally, of an always, period. you Yeah.
0: you you have it uh, normally, uh, and and things pop up uh, in a moment, or you know you come up with a topic, and then you know people say yeah, cool. So, um, but it's also nice to have a bit of time and have a bit of um, uh, uh, space to reflect on things and to push some things forward that you. Really would like to do, so I'm also kind of happy about happy about it. I, I'm talking about making a sabbatical for probably ten years now, and it never happens. So because I never, you know, as a freelancer, you you, you just take what you get and you just do if something opens, you just do it and then just
1: follow it. Yeah,
0: uh, you follow it, and so um, these sabbaticals are, you know, rather you know, months <laughs> for, <laughs> for a week uh, and not uh, really a whole year. But, yeah, you know, I'm like, um, I'm also trusting here because uh, um, things will always, uh, yeah, I have this trust, maybe it's also naive, but um, uh, fortunately, it has been like that uh, in my 25 years of filmmaking now that sometimes every, uh, sometimes something happens, even if you don't even expect it or something, but, you know, things are opening, there's a door opening or somebody asking you to do something, or me getting in touch with somebody and they say, yeah, let's think about that, and yeah, so. Nice. Yes. Uh, let's say I'm kind of in a flow and I'm trusting also to, you know, be in this nice, uh, swim in this nice river, <laughs>
1: yeah yeah well i enjoy enjoy your sabbatical it's definitely well deserved and um and so the next question i have for you is how can people find your films what's the best way to connect with you directly or to see some of your past work are you on youtube um i know i know probably maybe some of them are in german uh, for is there is there a way that english speakers can watch some of your content
0: Mm, I'm, I'm not so sure at the moment, because, of course, most of the productions were made for, for TV stations and so mm. the copyrights are it's quite restricted, I think. Um, uh, and also, um, if there are English versions, um, normally I made them myself uh, with subtitles for just for festivals. So it's a bit difficult, I think, to see uh, uh, to see the whole portfolio, and um, and I, I think the only film that is kind of freely accessible at the moment, which is also not uh, not legal, but of course I, I just I'm I'm not telling anybody, uh, is is a film about uh, Albania, but also just in German so it's called uh, wild albania wildes albanien i think uh, hmm. somebody put it in in youtube and it's can still be seen but but apart from this it's really difficult because um, mm, the copyright uh, stuff is because i'm not doing it on my my own yeah.
1: <laughs> copyright yeah, but, i mean so that's good for you like, really that's difficult. cool
0: yeah I yeah, know. Yeah. course you're doing yeah. it with yeah.
1: tv produ- like yeah. tv production yeah. in germany yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, so last question here, Cordelia. What does creativity mean for you?
0: Um it well, um how how can I how can I put it? It's a lot of staring at white walls <laughs> and uh, a lot of apparently doing nothing. Um, then to, um, I think, to uh, in these times to, uh, to gather things that might not obviously be connected, to gather things together, people also to um, join, join uh, parts of life and parts of the, of, uh, the, the universe together to kind of new pieces to um, yeah to um, it's also a bit of um, uh, handicraft uh, so you have to know how to put things together so that they uh, they, um, uh, they, they they bring something new or something... Uh, at least not uh, completely common, or not, uh, not uh, something that has been seen, you know, 50,000 times before. Uh, so I think it's a bit of a, of a puzzle, huh? Bringing, putting things together and letting things um, enter into your brain and into all the senses, uh, I mean, to, to open all your senses smell listening eyes anything to you know to make something new out of that this is for me creativity and uh, so it is it is something about me but of course also something about the world that is surrounding me so i can't i think i at least i can't be creative without uh, the world that is uh, that I'm surrounded with, uh, so I need uh, the influence. I need the impact. I need the uh, you know the world talking to me to um, to do some to make something uh, that is then mine out of it.
1: Mm, yeah, so it reminds me of the Beatles song "Within You and Without You." Right? Creativity yeah, yeah, yeah. is within yeah, you, and yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: creativity exists without you as well. Exist yeah, awesome. there in the world Yeah, sure, yeah.
0: sure, absolutely. Oh.
1: Yeah, thank you That's so much. The, if you
0: if you're so much in nature, you know that.
1: <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just want to say thank you again, Cornelia, and yeah, uh, this it was, was an awesome conversation, very inspiring conversation, I think, to a lot of filmmakers. And again, I know you, I know you have a very impressive roster. Um, you know a lot of the a lot of the content in Germany, but you know from from the way you can speak and from your experience and from the expertise in watching your most recent film. You know, I I was inspired by that. And this gave me a lot of ideas for for when I can work on my next uh, large project. So I just want to acknowledge all the great work that you're doing, you know, all the great work you're doing to help protect our environment and to help protect endangered wildlife species. So thank you so much. And thank you for coming on the Creative Kind Podcast and sharing a bit more about your filmmaker experience
0: thank you for uh, the invitation it was a nice conversation and yeah well maybe again um, uh, i mean we could have we could continue a lot i think
1: yeah yeah no, no absolutely yeah. Can, at least yeah. can always go on but uh sure. it's good to, sure. to have some concise yeah. ending so yeah awesome sure. have a okay. great rest of your afternoon so
0: thank you and you have a nice day <laughs>
1: Thank you so much, Cornelia, for coming on The Creative Kind Show. It was such a pleasure to speak with you and to learn and share more about your incredible experience as a videographer and the places you've been and the level and intelligence uh, and thought that goes behind your work. I certainly learned a lot as a filmmaker myself and with one of my upcoming endeavors. I hope that we get the opportunity to work again. So thanks for listening, everybody. This has been another special episode of the Creative Kind Show. I want to give a special shout out to Jason Carpenter in London. He is the founder of NEC Productions. I had him on my podcast previously, and he had this to say about the experience. Always great to work with Alex. Great listener, attentive to detail, and he always seems to have a positive and creative outlook on the bigger picture, no matter what the task is at hand video production was on point for my event and I look forward to working with him again in the future. Would 100% recommend. Thanks Jason, I love that review that's so nice of you and I just want to say big ups man and uh, it's great to see events happening back in London and uh, you know Forest City Film Festival in London really awesome event. There's a lot of great things that happen that tie up to Camelia but you know as I just want to, I guess, take this time to say as the province opens, make sure you're going out there supporting your local business, whether it's here in London, whether it's in Germany, wherever it is. uh, You know, buy local, support local, let's help out the little guys and gals around town. With that, I just want to say thanks again for listening to another episode of The Creative Kind Show. Next week, you're going to hear a super special guest when I have Ben Amuka. He is based in Toronto and runs an esports gaming company. So really cool guy, really interesting story and awesome to have another great guest here on the show. So thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave a review, share with a friend and follow me and my team on social media at The Creative Kind Show on Instagram and hit me up on LinkedIn, Alex. Leonard. I'd love to hear from you. And if you have a guest suggestion, I'd love to have them on. Can't wait for season four, but that will come at another date. So stay tuned. This is Alex Leonard, host of the Creative Kind podcast and owner of the creative company AL Media. My business specializes in videos, mural paintings, and illustrations. From working as a radio DJ, journalist, illustrator, painter, and now video editor, I've worn many creative hats. So visit alexleonardmedia.com to work together.